Yeah, please just stretch out your hands. Just bless Phil as we pray for him. Yeah, Father, we just we give you thanks Amen. for Phil, Lord, and we give you thanks for the word that you've given him, God, a word in season to bring today, Lord. And yeah, I just ask, Father, that you would just ready, ready the ground, just ready our hearts this morning, Lord. Yeah, give us ears to listen this morning, God, and yeah, hearts to receive, as I say. Just bless him as he speaks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Just wait till those baskets finish. We sort of clock watch even more now. Um, but we want to give space to God to speak into your heart. God doesn't need an hour, does he? I know, I think he does. But he doesn't. He can do it in a lot shorter time. People who have substantial... There's a bit of an echo, bad echo here. Do we do something with this? People, try again. People who have a, have a substantial amount of money, they would be wise if they invested it. If they just put it in the bank or buried it under the mattress, we know by the natural law of things, the money would devalue because things get more expensive and the cost of living goes up. And so people with substantial amounts of money, they invest it. They might buy stocks and shares. They might invest it in currency. Apparently gold is going up. So that's a good thing. If you've got some, that's a little tip this morning. You might want to invest uh, in some gold or property. Property's good, especially in London. If you have some spare cash, invest in property and you'll get a good return on it. You might be like me in that you haven't got vast amounts of money to worry about investing it. You've simply got enough to uh, re live a reasonable, comfortable life with you've got a home and you've got everything you know that you need to do. And we thank God for that. But you know, you have something more valuable to invest than money. Far more valuable. It is this thing that is called eternal life. Eternal life is not everlasting life. Eternal life is the life of God that when you come to Christ, that is deposited within you. You have, the word of God says, eternal life. The Greek word for that is the word zoe. And so all of us have a rich deposit within us of eternal life. And to get more of this life, we have to do what the people with large amounts of money do. They have to invest it. The Word of God says, what a man sows, so shall he reap. It is a principle of God throughout the whole scripture. So that which you have is the life of God and God is calling upon you to invest that life, to use that life that you might receive more of God's life. Sometimes we want the blessing of God, we want more of God, but we're not prepared to make the investment. You won't get more unless you invest on that principle. 
In Matthew 19, verses 16 to 20, I I won't read that uh, passage, but I'll just draw out one verse from there and explain what's going on. We see this rich young man, he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what I want, I want to get more of this eternal life. Teacher, he says, what must I do to get eternal life? What must I get to get more of this life? See, I think this rich young man was already experiencing something of the life God, that life within him. Because when he met Jesus and Jesus said, well, have you kept all the commandments? He said, I've done all of this. And it says that Jesus loved him. So this young man was experiencing some of the life God. But he wanted more of this. He wanted a return. He wanted to enjoy more of the life of God. He was rich. So I assume that he made investments with his money, which only generated more money. But that didn't satisfy him, did it? It is the life of God that he was looking for. In his particular case, God said to him, that all that money that you have, that's standing in the way of you receiving more. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having lots of money. Uh, It might not be money that's standing in the way of you receiving more from God. It might be something else. And God's advice to you would be remove that thing and start investing your life so you can get more of my life back. So he says to him, take what you have, sell everything you have, and give that away. But this is what he tells him to do to get the life of God. He says, come follow me. He said, the more that you... Follow me. The more you invest the life that I've invested in you into other people, you receive more of my life coming into you. Is that what we want? Do we want more of the God life in us? More uh, a sense of his presence? More Christ-likeness? More ability to love or to support or to do the things that God wants us to do? Surely that's what we want. In Luke 10 we read a very similar situation that arises. This time it's not a a rich man that comes to Jesus. It is a man who is an expert in the law. Uh, He's probably not rich in financial things, but he's rich in his understanding. He's rich in knowledge. He knows the word of God. He knows the principles of God. He is an expert. But he says almost the same thing. He says, in, uh, it's from Luke 10, uh, 25 to 37. He says, teacher, he comes and calls, just like the rich young man did, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The young man says, what must I do to get more of your life? Because I enjoy the life, but I want more of this life. This man, he's quite content with his life. He says, what can I do so when I go into the next world, I inherit more of the life of God? Now, Jesus is so clever, isn't he? See, with the first one, he gives him an answer, a solution to his problem. But this man, being an expert of the law, he says to him, what do you think it is? You're the expert. You tell me what it is that you must do to inherit more of this life, to get more of this life. 
course, he knew the answer. Why? Because he was an expert. Can I warn you experts in the law? Can I warn you theologians? Can I warn you Bible students? Be careful because you can become an expert but still not receive the life. Do you know you only know what you do? You don't know what's up here. Oh, in an academic sense, of course you can be brilliant, an expert in understanding the things of God, but that which you don't put into practice, you don't know. So he says to this young, uh, this, this, this guy, okay, what's the answer? To get him more of the Zoe, more of eternal life. What is the secret to getting more of God's life within you? I says, I know the answer to this. You love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, and you love your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus says, great answer. That's it. You know the answer. Then what does he say? He says, go do it. It's simple. So you can be an expert and not do it. Kenneth Copeland said something. I've remembered, I used to listen to Kenneth Copeland many years ago now. I don't listen to him so much. Uh, but listen to him, and he used this expression. Sometimes as Christians, we're educated beyond our intelligence. I love it. In other words, you're only as intelligent as what you do. But we have a lot more knowledge beside that that we never get involved in. Jesus said, do this. Do this. Do what you're telling me to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbour. Do this, he says, and you will live. In other words, you will get more of God's life, more of the Zoe into you. If you do this, Sometimes when you invest, you have to wait a while for a return. Some people wait years for a return. They don't expect to invest today and have a tremendous treasure tomorrow. But I've discovered in the things of God, if you invest today, you will get a return today. If you invest in the life of God today, for a start, you'll be at peace with God. That's the return. Before anything happens, before anyone gets saved, before anyone gets healed, before anyone gets delivered, before anything happens, you will get a peace in your heart because you have done the thing that God has called you to do. But Jesus expands on this, doesn't he? He expands on the teaching. He says, I'm going to tell you a story now just to show you exactly what I mean. And so he tells them this famous story that we all know if we've been a Christian for any period of time, the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, the Bible doesn't call him a Good Samaritan. He was good and he was a Samaritan, so we've called him the Good Samaritan, which makes sense to me. And it's a good title for the story. It is a story. You all know it so well, I won't read it. I'll just remind you, there was this Jewish guy, and he was walking down from Jerusalem to Jericho, a dangerous road, apparently. And on this road, he was attacked. He was mugged. They took stuff from him. They beat him up. They left him there. And in that place, he might have died. <coughs> he might have died from his wounds. Then we know that two people who are quite respectable in society, who knew better who should have done something, who should have taken the life that they had, because these two had the God life in them. 
One was a priest. His job was to offer sacrifices for men. So he had something of the God life in him. And the other guy was a Levite and his job was to be an assistant in the temple of God. So he had something of the God life in him. And God was expecting these two men to invest what life they had in them into this poor guy so that they could reap a harvest of more life from God. But to their shame, for whatever reason, and we don't know what it is, they simply walk past him. Maybe they were fearful. Maybe they were busy. I don't know what it is. The Bible doesn't suggest, but we know they walk past. Now come down the road comes a Samaritan. A Samaritan was not a baddie. A Samaritan, his ancestry was Jewish. He had been taken, his ancestors were taken into captivity in Babylon and they were released from Babylon and they came and established their concept of the kingdom of God in Samaria. So they were basically God-fearing people. The Jews hated them. Jews felt that they were superior to these Samaritans. But the Samaritans also had the God life in them. And this Samaritan, he comes close by this man. I want to point out five things here that indicate whether you are investing the God life in you to get a return on the God life. I want more of God, do you? I want more of his grace, more of his peace, more of his love, more of his blessing, more of his fellowship. I want to get rid of all the stuff that's me in me the stuff that the world has infected me with, and get more of the God life in me. The Zoe, the eternal life of God. That's why we're here. That's what we've been singing about this morning, isn't it? More of God. God, more of you. More of you in me. Not me in me. Not even my life in me, but your life, your Zoe, replacing my life. Let me read to you the verses. It's just a couple of verses, 32 to 30, 33 to 35 in Luke chapter 10. But, as, but a Samaritan, as he was travelling, he came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and he brought him to the inn and he took care of him. The next day, he took out, of, he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. (coughs) Five things about the love of God, the life of God, the Zoe of God that resides in each one of you. First thing I see about this Samaritan, he had pity on the guy. Where did that pity come from? Wasn't it the love of God that had been poured into his heart by the Holy Spirit? Wasn't it that? See, to even love people with Zoe, you can't do it with your own love. There's nothing wrong with your love. It's just natural. It's not good enough. You, we need the Zoe, love of God. We need God's love poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So when we move through life, we will come against many people who you will feel a pity for. God will move within you to take this life you have and invest it into them. 
So this man is moved with pity. The love of God within him is stirring up within him and he moves towards the man to minister to his needs. All Christian endeavour, all Christian work starts with the motivation of the love of God. Faith works by love. Not your love, but the love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart. That's how faith works. It starts with the love of God. It says then, he took what he had, bandages, oil and wine, and he ministered to the the man. How did he have these things on him? You ever ask the question, I mean, have you got oil and wine and bandages in your handbag? I haven't got it in mine. Did, did, did the priest have oil and bandages and wine? Uh, did, did the Levite have oil and bandages in wine? Were they ready to minister? Were they prepared? You see, God knew that this Samaritan would meet the guy. And as he was packing his things, a voice said, put in oil, bandages and wine. He was preparing him for ministry. Don't you think God has prepared you for ministry? Don't you think he has? Don't you think he's given you oil and wine and bandages? I don't think the priest had them on him. I don't think the Levi had them on him. But this man did. You say, well, what has God given me? Got a car? Got a home? Got an income? You've got clothes, you've got food. You go, hang on a minute. Yeah, you step back and look at all the things that God has given you. Why do you think he's given you these things? Why do you think you have them? Oh, so I might be comfortable. So I might be at peace. So I might feel secure. So I might be at ease. Oh, yes, of course, those things. But it is the means by which you can meet the needs of others. They're the means by which the life can flow out of you to meet the needs of others. It says he put the man on his donkey. Well, I surmise then he must have walked if the guy was on his donkey. I surmise it would have slowed him down. See, I've realised that when I want to spend the life of God within me on other people, it costs me physically. It costs me patience sometimes. <laughs> Got to be so patient. It costs me endurance. It costs me all the energy that I need to do the things of God. But you know, that energy is not my energy. That energy is the strength that God pours into my life so I can do it. See, I cannot draw on any of my strength. I cannot draw on any of my resources. I cannot draw on any of my love because it is not acceptable in the work of God. Remember Cain and Abel. Cain offered a sacrifice to God that was all about him, what he had done and his resources, and God said, that's unacceptable to me. Abel, who was just a bad guy like Cain as well, He brings what God has given him to offer as a sacrifice. But his offering, which he did nothing to procure, he never had the lamb. He did nothing to procure, and yet it was acceptable to God. You see, the life that you start investing in others has to come from God. 
the strength that I need to do what I need to do at this ripe old age, it has to come from God. It can't be my strength because my strength is exhausted in a few minutes. My patience is exhausted. But it comes from God. It's the life that God invests that we can then sow out to others. He brought him to the inn and stayed with him a day. Do you know God will give you time to invest your life in others? Oh, you say, I'm too busy. I can't go to that. I can't serve in the soup kitchen. I can't help these people. Oh, I'm far too busy to do any of that. If you will to do what God wants, I've found God adjusts my diary for me. Did you know? He just takes people out of the way sometimes. He creates space for us. He creates time so that we can do the will of God in our lives. I'm always double booking, triple booking sometimes. But God can work in stuff. So he creates time. I call it God time. God time. Sometimes the busiest people find the most time to do the things of God because God creates time for them. The last thing we see, he goes into his pocket and he brings out two silver coins. That was quite a lot of money. They weren't drachmas or they weren't copper coins like the old woman gave. They were silver coins. They were, where did he get this money from? God had supplied it to him to fulfill the call that God had put on his life. The call that God has put on your life. Don't ever say, I haven't got enough money. Do you know you'll never have enough money to do the things of God? Because when you're moved by compassion and you see a need, you go, I haven't got that, God. I can't meet that need. There's so many needs out there. God just opens your eyes to a few needs and you're thinking, I can't do this. I can't do this. It says in 2 Corinthians 9.11, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. A lovely verse. He said that to the Macedonians, whose grace was evident within, and they lived God's life out of them. Not their life. Their life was weak. They said, in our weakness, the grace makes us strong. His life comes through us. His love, material needs, strength, time, wealth. They came as we seek to invest in other people's lives. Oh God, I want more of you. Then give away what you have. Because if you don't, there's no more coming. It's like a man with the money saying, I want a greater return on my money, but I'm not going to invest it anywhere. You say, you stupid man. You want more money? You must invest the money to bring a return. It's the principle that God is expounding here. You might not have much money. Praise the Lord. Say praise the Lord. Lord. I haven't got much money. Praise the Lord. Lord. (laughs) You people say anything. But what you do have is God's life inside you. Do you understand? And God says, listen, this is far more valuable. This is eternal life. This is the life of God. This is the Zoe. 
This is the power of God. This can transform a world. This can transform people's lives. This can transform families. This is powerful stuff. It's far more valuable than any money. Now, start investing it. Start letting it flow through you. And it'll work. Jesus has the last word here in chapter 10 of Luke. Of 37, he said, Jesus told them, go and do likewise. Just go do it. It's what he said to the, the man who was so smart and knew the answers. He said, I'm glad you're smart, but go do it. Go do this stuff. And you will receive a return on your investment. God bless you all.